What's going on, everyone? Welcome to the Dr. Funk Podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening, for subscribing through iTunes, Stitcher, Podbay FM, wherever else we're available. Thank you guys so much. What we're going to be doing on this episode is celebration day one. And the reason that we're going to be focusing on day one is because of Jesse Johnson and a few other things and go into detail about that. Now, we arrived the night before, picked up our passes, checked out some of the merch that was available, and kind of went on our way and took it easy till we went to Paisley um, the, the next day. Now, I'm looking at my celebration pass here to kind of just remind me of certain things that we did. Now, uh, we got to Paisley, and they were having the screening. We took our seats. Uh, Joel from Graceland came out to do the introduction this year like he normally has done. He brought Omar Baker and Sharon Nelson out, Prince's family, kind of said some kind words about how eventually they're going to be running things and to be nice to them, especially on the internet. I think he meant mostly social media and, you know, if I'm getting certain things said about me, I'm sure the family is getting certain things said about them at an obnoxious pace. And uh, just a world we live in where we do need to be kinder to one another, especially and You know, these things are a little bit disconcerting where you're threatening someone and it happens a little too much. After that, they played the time show um, from 1983. I did jump a little bit that J.D. Steele of the Steels was our official host of the celebration. And he did a great job, sung a few times for us, including Seven and Damn You. And was just entertaining and kept it flowing. And they kicked it all off with the time performing at First Avenue in 1983, I believe in October. Um, And that was the show that ended up using Jungle Love and the Bird for the cuts for the movie in Purple Rain. Now we've all heard about the show where Morris really wasn't too happy. Literally after the show ended, he took right off, right? And when you see him exit the stage, he exited the building and took off. Uh, there was some sound issues at the beginning of it, which is just on there on the soundboard recording with the microphone having some feedback. Uh, Jesse was informed, when say where informed, but was informed on that. And you had Paul Peterson and the blush going on. Jellybean was on the drums. Now, at that time, you know, you didn't have Jimmy and Terry because they were fired for the infamous SOS band recording and uh, missing the show and then being caught about it months later. And then Monty Moore decided not to be in the band as well since Jimmy and Terry weren't in the band. So you had a few replacements just kind of what you have sometimes now when it comes to the time where some people call them the more staying in the part time, more staying in the half time. 
regardless, um, the performance was still killer. I mean, Morris, if you was having a bad time, he's a consummate professional. Same with Jesse. It was a really tight show. You know, you, I really hope that recording in the future gets an official release. And I hope people aren't upset because, um, you know, they shouldn't have the recording in the first place. Now, they had the line, you know, where Morris is talking about, you know, pass around the hat. Let's collect some money to Rome, you know, and like Prince, you, you know how to take, but do you give? And talking about his $25 show earlier in the year. Now, keep in mind that show was for charity. That wasn't mentioned. But there was some friction between Morris. I don't think, you know, the rivalry that's in the film wasn't exactly uh, well acted. I think there was some resentment and there was a little bit of competition. You know, the time and Morris felt during the 1999 tour that they were kicking his butt every night. That's why in certain cities like Los Angeles, we didn't get the time. Now, uh, it was just an interesting piece of footage. They showed everything and we kind of had our uh, celebration Paisley Park tour right after that. And some people were upset that, you know, they didn't need to show the entire thing. They felt that there should have been some Prince footage shown. But I figure, okay, you're having Jesse perform. You're going to show something like this. It's kind of cool. It's different. Uh, but it isn't for everyone. I mean, they're paying a lot of money and they want to see Prince footage inside Paisley Park. Now, when we're taking the tour, uh, Tommy, our tour guide, who is a great guy and a great tour guide and uh, just in his element. He asked if anyone has a, if this is their first time being to Paisley Park or taking the tour, no one raises their hands. Now I'm a little bit, a little bit disconcerned with that because I want Paisley to be attracting new people. Of course we were on the VIP track. So Maybe that explains that there wasn't any new people. I just, I want to see fresh faces there. I want to see stuff being passed on to new people. I love seeing the old faces. Don't get me wrong. I want some old with the new. Um, and that's where it comes from. We were first taken to the Purple Rain Room. And they had a couple of things now in uh, case... Like Prince's like original script or original writing of um, Purple Rain, I believe, with dreams on the cover and a notebook. Then some sketchings he had of what his jacket was on the 1999 tour and what he wanted for the Purple Rain tour. So that was kind of cool to have, to see certain artifacts like that. Nothing much was changed with that regard. We went to the Graffiti Bridge room and under the Cherry Moon room. There wasn't too much on that. The hallway, there was a lot of new photos added by Jeff Katz that were in there. We were taken, taken into, um, you know, into a studio to listen to Prince's isolated recordings of rock and roll love affair, first with the drums, then with things being added, then with the full uh, rundown of what's going on. 
And that was interesting in my opinion. And Jason, the sound engineer that played everything for us, you know, started working for Prince in 2014 and went through the spectrum of things. It didn't answer some questions. People were kind of asking, like, did you dress like this when Prince was here? Because he was wearing jeans. Uh, ouch. <laughs> so that was just kind of interesting. That took place in Studio A, if I didn't say which studio it was in. Now, what's interesting is then we had the Jesse Johnson panel. Now, apparently earlier in the day, he had a panel as well, obviously. But apparently in the earlier part of the celebration during his Q&A with Andrea Swenson, who does an amazing job with stuff, it was a little bit more incoherent. There was a reviewer up. I posted it after hearing my... Uh, panel and i thought what jesse said was coherent you know he had some gripes and some other things and i just posted that stuff uh with the with the line cut him jesse on twitter and facebook fan page and woo, did the comments get a little bit out of control now andrea mentioned that Jesse hadn't been back to paisley park since filming of graffiti bridge and this was his first time back and uh, he felt kind of weird about stuff. And um, he brought up uh, a recording that probably was a couple years old uh, that may have been most likely recorded without his knowledge. It was posted after he was announced to be performing at the celebration. And there are some pretty damning things on there. Uh, again, didn't know that he was being recorded didn't exactly talk fondly of Prince and kind of said that he would never play the celebration no matter how much they pay him. Uh, yeah, that's kind of damning stuff. And Jesse acknowledged it on a Facebook post saying that, you know, he let some frustrations get out and some other things, but he was more detailed, you know, that there really was like a, more of a hate relationship with Prince than a love-hate relationship. Now, I know that Prince respected Jesse, and we'll get into that. And I think there was respect from Jesse with Prince. The things that it comes down to is that <clears throat> he felt that Prince kind of blackballed him from certain things. And one of the stories was about how, you know, the Howard Bloom agency, which Prince was being represented by at the time, had Jesse signed. They were looking forward to working with him. And then uh, Prince heard about it and said, if you don't get rid of him, I'm going to join another agency. So they had no choice but to balance. <clears throat> and I do believe that story. That seems like something Prince would do is that. He wanted to have control of everything. And here was Morris shortly after Purple Rain, just bouncing, not going to tour with <clears throat> the new lineup of the time for Purple Rain and open up for them. So there had to be some sort of control going on. And that's how it happened. <clears throat> it's just interesting. And, you know, he mentioned something about saying... <clears throat> And he, he mentioned this a few times. He mentioned about like 
You know, the reason that you wouldn't go back with Prince or do stuff is like, you don't, you don't marry the same woman twice. You don't get divorced and then marry her again. Well, lest you're one Elizabeth Taylor's exes, right? Because that, that kind of happened. Um, you know, and then there was the gripes just like on the audio about him not getting paid or not, you know, uh, not making money. And he talked about how he didn't make money off the time. He didn't make money off of Purple Rain. You know, <clears throat> then he like he did share a light moment. There was just stuff he was going back and forth with and trying to share stories is that he remembers like the last time he went inside Paisley or whatnot or when they were starting filming a graffiti bridge about how, you know, Prince came up to him and gave him a hug. Like, it's about time someone knew how to dress here. Someone else knew how to dress here. Probably talking about homeboy with the jeans, although he wasn't there at the time. But, you know, Jesse always wore extravagant outfits and wore a pink suit probably better than other people could. I think we can all agree on that one. Now, you know, it just, there's just so much. And like I said, the hate relationship and then you know, I think it's because, as Jesse said, he did see Prince as his brother and he would fight with his brother, but they had love for each other. Now, and he's told us before in like another panel that I attended, and I'll go into that with my own little meetings with Jesse, just kind of how he felt about Prince and that when he auditioned for Prince that the time really didn't want him to perform. They were afraid that Prince would be intimidated by Jesse's guitar skills. So, you know, they made sure that he had his image down, image down and other things, but he never really played for Prince. He goes, Oh no, you're cool. You know, obviously Prince was playing the instruments at the time. So he was cool with it. He really wanted to play for Prince, but it didn't happen. And, Jimmy and Terry and other members at the time were so thankful that it happened because they thought if he played, there's no way that Prince would have hired him. You know, I don't know if he told that story in uh, panel one. I know in panel two that wasn't really discussed, but I've heard him say that before, you know. <clears throat> so it's just that it came through of about him wanting more. You know, Jellybean one time said that Jesse wanted to be the guitar player and the lead singer of the time, and that just wasn't was. You got to know your role, and I think that was that was hard for him. You know, um, the Harold Bloom or Howard Bloom um, thing just kind of proves that whole point of doing stuff, and he felt more of a of a kinship to Morris and probably because Morris kind of felt the same way about Prince as Jesse did at times now, you know, and he'd jump around. Like it wasn't like an order of stuff. He talked about how he got a phone call from Prince, a voice message, like a few weeks before he passed trying to bury the hatchet, talk about how much like he loved Jesse, you know, and always look forward to, to seeing him and all this stuff and how cool he was. And he said that, it was like from a burner phone because when he got the message, he couldn't call back. Although they haven't really been in touch anyway. Um, he, 
I felt a lot of remorse from Jesse. And some people say that it wasn't the right place for him to do it at Paisley Park. Now, Jesse isn't exactly interviewed every week on the radio or other things. So when was the best time for him to talk about these things? Like, look, I still feel that there was a lot of guilt over the audio being released. I feel that there was guilt that he had so much animosity towards Prince that it kind of affected his feeling on him. And Prince could be quite difficult with the musicians he worked with. I know the past few years we've, you know, it's like St. Prince, he could do no wrong. But Prince was difficult. He required the best out of everyone. And someone like Jesse, who is such an amazing and talented guitar player, he probably pushed Jesse hard, you know, other for reasons of competition, you know. And look, Prince could play circles around everyone else. Jesse, Jesse's got that flow. And if you see like the clips of him, I'm going to be posting this on my website. Remember those? Uh, DrFunkenberry.com where you can see some clips of Jesse performing. You can kind of see what I mean by everything. Um, but he had, he had a style that was respected by Prince and respected by others. And I was very surprised at the backlash over uh, this panel and what people said. I thought Andrea Swenson did an amazing job. She didn't try to reel in Jesse or anything. This is probably the panel where she probably asked the least amount of questions. But by doing that, she was able to let Jesse continue to open himself up to talk about things. And he got emotional. And I felt that if it wasn't going to be at Paisley, where else was it going to be at? You know? And people were asking me, like, the morning of, what I think of Jesse. I stopped by Electric Fetus that morning. What do I think of Jesse playing the celebration and other stuff? I'm like, look, I know about the audio and all this other stuff. And I feel that, you know, he's trying to make his peace with it. And something that I felt was interesting is that he, Jesse said that if Prince was here, he would have never be performing at the celebration. He wouldn't be here right now. I don't think that's true. I personally feel that Jesse would have been playing the celebration. Plain and simple. Prince would have asked him. There would have been other things going on. The money would have been right. <laughs> the check would have cleared. And Jesse would have been playing. And... <clears throat> Jesse performed that night. It was interesting that he did not only the hits that he was famous for and some stuff off of uh, his most current albums. Uh, he also added controversy into the mix and I feel for you. So the person they had animosity for, he's now playing his music live. And I've seen Jesse like in small clubs, smaller than say Paisley Park. I've had more of a feel for things. You know, I just felt that he was going through 
emotions that he hadn't had to have before. And like I said, I was very surprised when I posted the the stuff of the person that went to the first panel and just the vitriol, the hate of Jesse on it, you know, the name calling. And I just felt, again, if not at Paisley Park, where? And, you know, he did drop a few F-bombs in it. You know, yes, it's in St. Prince's house. Again, where was he going to be able to make peace with him? Because this time, you know, kind of like felt a few things inside me that I haven't felt since the first celebration. So imagine Jesse, this is the first time he's been back to Paisley since Graffiti Bridge, since Prince's passing. There's probably a lot of emotions that are going on and a lot of regrets. You know, Jesse didn't mention things that happened in his life that also hurt his career. So there is a little bit of a blame game going on with Prince. But hey, um, he did make things harder than they needed to be meaning Prince, to Jesse and others. Now, with that being said, I hope that he found his peace and I hope that he can forgive Prince because Prince loved Jesse no matter what happened between them two. And I have an email from Prince dated May 9th, 2013. And it had mostly to do like with what was going on with the time. And at the time, not the time, the time was about to come out with or did come out with a new album called Condensate, but it was under the original seven moniker. Now, before that, on my birthday, uh, August 4th, maybe 2012, um, I saw like a thing that said like Stevie's, which is no longer around. It was a club out here. Welcomes Jimmy and Terry, Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis. And they were hanging out there. So I kind of did a UE, had had dinner there. Uh, They were in the back recording. And what ended up being on that DVD release, a condensate was recorded in the back room of Stevie's. So, you know, we were having dinner. We hung out. Jerome came out, saw us, like, oh, can't believe you're here. Tell you how this is going on. Like, the boys are back, man. You got to keep it on the down low. But the boys are back. Okay, cool. Like, I get some photos from my website for when the news breaks about you guys coming out. Jerome's like, sure, and I know I can trust you. You're not going to post anything until it happens. So, you know, like, it's like a hot day in, in the San Fernando Valley. Like, we're talking about 105. So... In my car that back in the day, that Civic did not have any air conditioning. So I was wearing like shorts and a little bit of a, of a you know, short sleeve dress shirt or whatnot. Um, but the guys were in suits and everything. Of course, like I took photos with them and it just looked bad. I have with Jimmy and Terry. I was taking photos of everyone and Jesse kind of saw me like, oh my God, like you're inviting people with cameras here. See, this whole thing is supposed to be in secret. And he stormed off he was upset 
you know, not knowing I'm not going to post anything about this until it happens. Uh, he didn't know who I was, you know, me and Jerome went back a ways. So he knew. And then when, you know, Trendon came out and it came under the name original seven and all these other things and condensate, they did their one performance at Nokia theater together as a band with Jesse and the original lineup and taught the original seven. Now I got backstage after that, talked to Jimmy and Terry and Jesse was like, see, man, I didn't know who you were at that thing. When I walked out and you were taking photos, I thought you're going to be posting this all over the internet. I didn't know that you're going to hold on to it till after we made the announcement. So I'm sorry about that. And then his second thing was, is that he's like, that video you got of me, the Roxy, that footage is amazing. What'd you take it on? And I pulled out my little pocket Kodak camera recorder before everyone recorded stuff on cell phones. He's like, you got that. You got the sound with all that with that. I'm like, yeah, of course, now people take cell phone footage. You're hearing and all these things going on through it. So it's a little difficult to hear. But, um, you know, with the video, you had great sound. And those clips are going to be on the drfunkenberry.com post, along with the thing I made, uh, the email that Prince talked about with Jesse. I'm going to have a little clip of it, not giving it all to you. What's interesting is after that appearance at uh, the Nokia club that Jesse made a couple more appearances with the band and he bailed. He quit. <clears throat> and um it came as a surprise to everyone, especially people that were really looking forward to seeing the original lineup. And then that uh, July, I was in the recording studio with Prince after he whooped me at that famous round of table tennis. He brought up about, <clears throat> you know, like I own the name, the time that's where it comes from. And I know that they're upset about it, but I, Every single thing you hear on the time records, that's me. You know, you can't go in and not do something with me. I'm the creator of the music. I'm on everything, playing every lick. And you want to go in and make an album without me and keep the same name? You can't do that. And he's like, and I like the name, the original seven. Name sucks now. <clears throat> and he was talking about with Jesse leaving. He's like, look, I called up Terry. I called up Jimmy and Terry and I told him, let's go play Vegas. I'll, I'll be your... I'll be your guitar player. I was serious. Jimmy and Terry didn't take me seriously, so it never happened. But I was willing to be the guitar player. Now, you know, Prince got to take things kind of like, not fully, like, is he really going to be okay with Jesse's paycheck, you know, and Morris and them are making more? You know, uh, not so certain about that. Now, when it came to certain things, and now I'm going back to the email that he sent me, and it's all in caps, you know, and this was, again, something that we talked about that day that I just said to you guys. Um, he had bullet points. I'm going to go to number three first. Without the creator, producer, arranger, and composer of the time and the family involved, both bands were respectfully asked 
respectfully asked, to change their band names to something that reflected their current lineup and direction. Both agreed to recast as anything other than that is just sad and revisionist. What, people were being revisionist? That's not happening now, is it? Prince has nothing but love for all involved. And, you know, please discuss the difference in sound that both bands, this is point number four, both bands, past and present, have now that time has passed. Jimmy and Terry, Paul Peterson, albeit great producers, have a completely different sound than Prince. Then number five, there's producer-driven music and then there's music-driven productions. No one plays music like Prince, i.e., according to first-hand accounts, there are no recordings of Prince playing a guitar with a whammy bar on it until Jesse Johnson had officially joined the time. 777-9311 is the result. Everyone knows by now that it was actually Prince playing lead guitar in the original recording. He didn't take credit so as to lend credibility to the band. When you've mastered many skills in the studio, getting props for one or the other is not the primary concern. P.S. Jesse Johnson is still one of Prince's favorite guitar players. So, there you go. Prince's feelings on Jesse, even through hard and difficult times. He was one of Prince's favorite guitar players. So do you think that Prince wouldn't have had Jesse at Paisley Park? Having one of his favorite guitar players on that stage? You know? Yeah. So that's what it comes down to, is everyone giving Jesse a hard time about things, and Prince wouldn't want this, and Prince wouldn't want that. Just don't know. I mean, he was harsh at times, 100%. But I feel that Jesse belonged on that stage, and I feel that Prince was still here, and Prince was doing celebrations again, like he planned to do them, but in June instead of April. Jesse would have been playing the celebration with Prince here. There's certain things that have, would not have happened if Prince was here, but I think that's one of the things that would have happened. And everyone makes mistakes. Everyone isn't being recorded all the time and can't be perfect. And Jesse and Prince, along with so many others, had a difficult relationship with Prince. It seems like the more talented you were, the harder it was to get along with him. And I feel for Jesse. And he said so many times that he was pulling out of the celebration and Karen White, uh, who works for Paisley Park and tries to be a consummate, consummate professional at all times, because of her, that's why Jesse kept the gig. And I'm glad that he did it. I hope that he found peace. And... Uh, Let's hope in the future that he's able to kind of have better memories of Prince and that animosity is gone. Because in order to move on in the future, you can't hold grudges so much. As much as you feel that you are more talented or more deserved, you got to let it go and know at the end everything is going to be all right. Jesse's still playing with D'Angelo. Can't wait for them to go on tour. I have nothing but love for Jesse. He had uh, someone that worked for him that's blocked me on Twitter, so 
he won't be seeing this. There's no real way for him to reach out to me. Uh, but know that I have nothing but love for Jesse Johnson. So those are my thoughts on Celebration Day 1, on Jesse and the whole drama that happened on his performance. <clears throat> and uh, I want to thank you guys for listening. Let me know what you think on uh, Twitter and the Facebook fan page about things, about what was discussed, if you wanted more to be said. I really should have um, asked you guys what you thought and questions that you wanted to have for me. I was just kind of trying to fit this in and make sure that I got it out. Um, so I apologize for that. I always want your input and just to know how certain things are and to cover all your questions. I'm always appreciative of that. So make sure to tell a friend about this podcast. Like I said, with these ones, it's not about being first. It's trying to be the most detailed and just trying to give you an insight to other things. I'm hoping uh, to have Celebration Day 2 mixed in with Day 3 since the Funk Soldiers and the big screen and stuff that happened on that. And thank you again so much. I really appreciate you guys. Please make sure to subscribe if you haven't so you get a notification when it posts. And let me know what you want to hear going forward. Just so you know, I've already reached out to Jeff Katz to be on the show. Right now, he doesn't really want to talk about stuff, but we are going to delve into that because Jeff Katz was on Celebration Day 2. And... I really enjoyed his photos and the conversation that he had with Gilbert Davidson, who did the Q&A with him. So that's what you have to look forward to next time. And, uh, you know, let's not bug Jeff Katz to be on, but at the same time, let him know that when he is ready, we would love to have him on and discuss things further. Thank you guys again so much. For listening. Till next time, keep it funky.